0: all right let's get into the word this morning the book of romans we are in we just started a new series last sunday and uh some people ask you know well pastor jeff you know why aren't you doing maybe something special or specific for easter let me just share with you quickly my personal philosophy of that my person and i'm not saying that if you have a different philosophy you're wrong it's just diversity within the body But my personal philosophy is I treat every Sunday as if it's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. I think every Sunday is special. Every Sunday we're reminding people that we meet on Sunday because we serve the risen Christ. And so I just feel like, you know what, every day is special with God and every Sunday is special. And so we just sort of do what we always do at the Oasis every Sunday. We don't necessarily make anything special uh, on Easter or any other Sunday. It is what it is. Some people like it. Some people don't. But that's just sort of my personal philosophy. And so we started in the Book of Romans last week and we're going to continue in the Book of Romans. But I think it's going to be good. So we'll talk about that. So I, I want to I go back, though, to what we introduced the book of Romans with last week, just to set this up. For those of you that weren't here last week, sort of allow you a little bit of, of catch up. We started out by reminding all of us, everyone has a world view, And what a worldview is, as I explained it, was it's sort of the, the scaffolding within our minds that we build over the years to help make sense of life, to help us find solutions to life's problems. And there is one letter whose purpose in the Bible is sort of to declare our Christian worldview. And that letter is the book of Romans. Now, Paul starts out last week by talking to us about the subject of surrender, first of all. Uh, because he's writing to those who claim to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he wants to start out on the foundation of surrender, I think for a couple reasons. One, he wants to remind us that though there are many who claim to be followers of Christ, that in reality, many who claim to be followers of Christ actually lead their own lives and, and, and try to get Jesus to sort of follow them instead of the other way around. In other words, instead of us following God's lead in our life and letting him be the leader, the Lord, we end up sort of taking our life where we want to and hope that somehow he gets on board with our plans and our purposes and that he's okay with it. And then I went on to talk about the nation of Israel in, in an illustrative way about this whole concept. Because though God quickly saved the nation of Israel out of Egypt, it took years for God to, in a sense, remove Egypt out of Israel. Because while they were in Egypt, uh, they had been uh they had the priorities, the value system, the perspective of, of Egypt sort of ingrained within them. And so even though he saved them, delivered them out of their slavery and bondage in Egypt, it took years to get all this other stuff that they had learned in Egypt out of them. And I, I made the point that they were saved, but they weren't surrendered. And that's why they wandered for years before they, this one generation could finally enter into the promised land. And I made the point that that's where a lot of Christians are, which I think is why Paul starts out on the subject of surrender. Because he's saying, look, you could be saved. But if you're not surrendered to God, then you're still going to have a very difficult time making sense of many things in life. Even things that happen to you or things that you see. Because things only start to make sense to those who are surrendered. We only find the solutions that God has to life's problems, whatever they are, whenever we are surrendered. So that's why Paul starts out on that subject. He's just asking all of us, are we sort of like the Israelites? Have we been saved, delivered out of you know, our bondage in sin and God has set us free, but yet we've never really throughout our Christian life really surrendered to the Lordship of Christ and we keep wandering and we keep sort of spinning through life and we never really seem to get any traction and make any real progress and get anywhere spiritually because we've never come to that place of surrender. And So Paul challenges us on that right from the get-go. But now Paul, as we saw last week, ended up in verse 15 by sharing his passion and excitement to come to Rome, the center of the world at that time. I mean, the the Roman Empire was in charge, so Rome was like the center of the world. And everybody who was, you know, there was representatives of people from all over the world in Rome. It was like a microcosm, if you will, of the world at that time. And if something could sort of Find a, a place in Rome, then it certainly could begin to influence the rest of the Roman Empire during that time. So Paul says, I'm passionate about coming to Rome because he said, I want to share such news from God to you that I think will change your life. Especially if you're willing to surrender to it, to take God at his word, to see things from God's perspective. And so he says, I can't wait to get there to share this news with you. And he says, I'm prayed up, I'm studied up, I'm wound up, I want to get there. I want to come to you and share the gospel. And then in verse 16, he says this. This is why I'm so passionate, I'm so anxious to share this news from God to you. Because he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Notice, first of all, Paul says, I'm not ashamed. He says, I'm not embarrassed about this news from God that I'm going to share. I don't lack courage in sharing it. I'm not reluctant to share it. In a sense, in a different way, he's saying, I'm proud of the gospel. I'm proud of this news that I can share with you because I so believe in it. And I have this personal conviction, and I've seen how the news that God gave to mankind, how when I was willing to surrender to it, how when I was willing to receive it, how it has so transformed and changed my life, I really believe in this with all my heart. That makes a big difference. You know, whether you're talking retail, sales, business, whatever, even maybe places and things that you do and that you work for. It's going to make way more of an impact on other people if they can see in your life that you really you really believe this. That this isn't just something that you're paid to say or, or paid to do or whatever, but you really believe in it. I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard for me, even after 30 years of doing this, to not get excited and passionate about what I share on Sundays and Tuesdays with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I truly believe in this with all my heart. I've seen the difference that God's message has made in my life. And I've heard the difference that it makes in other believers' lives whenever we surrender to it. And so I think that's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm proud of this news that I'm going to share. Because it is the gospel. Literally the good news. But we're going to see why it's such good news in a minute. But In essence, too, it just means God's message to us. And and that reminds us that God took time to reveal certain things to humanity that he created. And then Paul goes on to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God because it is the power. We're going to get to that in a minute for salvation. This word in the Greek language is a broad termed word it it has many shades of meaning don't limit this word as many christians do to just describing the moment that a person places their personal faith in christ as their savior and becomes a child of god that certainly is one of the meanings of this word but it means so much more than just that it means to be rescued it means to be delivered. It means to be restored and even preserved and made sound and made whole and even healed. So this word salvation doesn't just get applied to that moment that a person places their faith in Christ and becomes a child of God. This word speaks about our whole life with God. Because even after Because, again, Paul's writing to Christians here. Even after we become a Christian, we are still experiencing, hopefully, salvation. Because even though our salvation, if you will, initially is just a moment in time, that moment when we truly, by faith, commit our lives to Jesus Christ... There's still ongoing effects of that decision and our faith in that God that lasts until we go to heaven. As long as we're alive. Because even as Christians, we all know, there's times where we need to be rescued. We need to be delivered. We're going through a restoration process. We talked about that in 1 Peter. We need to be preserved through, through things. We need to be made sound and made whole and even healed from things. And Paul says, that's why I'm not ashamed of this message from God to us. Because it has the power to be able to save. Here's the problem. Keyword last week was surrender. Keyword this week, reality reality. I want you to think about that word. I don't want you to just think about that word today. I want you to think about that word for days and weeks to come. Because really the rest of what Paul's going to talk about throughout the rest of this letter to the Romans is all about getting in on God's reality and the reality of what's true in our lives and the reality of what we see around us. Because here's what Paul is saying. He's saying throughout history, even up to today, many human beings, instead of really living in reality and facing what life really is and where they are with God or all this, that they choose at some point in time to begin to live in a fantasy world, in a world of make-believe, in a world of imagination, or in a world of denial. In other words, here's what's really happening, but if I don't think it's really happening, somehow it's going to be okay. I can deny what's really there, or I can just send myself to this other fantasy make-believe world that I want to live in, even though this is really what life is, and somehow it's going to be okay in the end. Somehow I can deny reality. And somehow it's going to be okay. And what Paul here is saying, first of all, is... No, it's not going to be okay. It's not. Because reality is what it really is. And because we live in a world that God created, it's His reality. And especially if we deny The greatest reality in the universe is the existence of God and the reality of God. If we live our lives as if God doesn't exist, then we have removed the greatest reality that there is. And then we really have no reality left. Because we've pushed the greatest reality aside. And here's why Paul wants us to face reality. Paul would use his own life as an example. He could say, I could have lived the rest of my life. As Saul, as the greatest persecutor of the early church, by the way, as we talked about last week, a brilliant man, a a man that was just absolutely intellectually brilliant and a proud man who had been educated at the greatest universities, if you will, of his day who knew at least four or five languages fluently. This man could have held his own in debate, as we saw, with anybody in the world at that time. And yet Paul had to face reality one day on his way to Damascus to actually persecute more Christians. He had to face the reality and humble himself and realize, I was wrong about Jesus Christ, and I was wrong to persecute the church. And my whole life up to this point has been lived, in a sense, in the wrong direction. And I poured all of my energy and all of my intellect and everything into the wrong thing all these years. But when I was willing to face the reality that I wasn't right with God, and that there was something wrong between me and my God, and I was willing to admit That I was wrong and face reality. He said, that's when I really began to live. Because I had to face the reality of who I was. And I had to face the reality that me and God weren't okay. Because I was wrong about Jesus Christ. See, that's why Paul says the gospel is so important. Because one of the things it will do is it's going to bring us to reality. And can I say, just as a... That's why a lot of people won't flock to churches that really get in and teach God's message. You know why? Because they want to continue to live in their fantasy world of make-believe and that everything's going to be okay and that they can still live in that denial instead of being faced week in and week out with how things really are. They don't want to deal with things as they really are. They don't want to face reality. They want to continue to deny that something's wrong. And yet Paul says, do you realize when you do that as a human being that you are never going to experience life at its highest level? And and here's why Paul is so anxious to share this with people. He says, do you realize that when you will be willing to face reality, that that is when God's power is unleashed in your life this supernatural ability that is contained within God's message that can enable us to handle reality and to find solutions to the reality that we are faced with and to make sense of the reality that we find, even if it's yucky, even if it's painful, even if it's suffering. Paul says, that's why this is so cool. But I've got to be willing to face reality first. It's like the person who goes, say, to a doctor's appointment and gets bad news. And they say, hey, you, you know, you got cancer. You know, we got one of two choices. We can, like a lot of people, just pretend like, well, I didn't really just get that bad news. And I'm just going to pretend like, you know, that never happened. In fact, can, that's even why people don't like to go to the doctor. Because if they're honest... They don't want to be faced with reality. They want to continue to live in this world of make-believe and denial as if nothing is wrong. Nothing's wrong in their relationships in life. Nothing's wrong in their life. Everything's okay between them and God. I mean, that's the way we even deal with each other as Christians, Paul says. And it's so destructive to ourselves and to others because Paul is saying, when you and I are willing to just lay reality out there and let God deal with it, then we can begin to... to to make sense of it and even get healed from it and be whole from it and and get sound from it and be able to move on and make progress in our lives rather than just continuing to wander and spin. And so notice why Paul is also saying this is good news. Because Paul's already said, and do you realize what I'm saying? I'm saying that God, who's perfect is willing to come down and deal with the yuckiness of whatever our reality is, first of all. Paul says that should be good news to us as human beings. We, we don't have a God who revealed himself and said, uh, I'm perfect, I'm up here in heaven, I'm removed from all that that you have to deal with down there. And even though you're going through a hard time right there, and your reality isn't so good, I could care less. No, the message from God to us is is exactly the opposite. Which is why God, the Son of God, left the glory of heaven and the comforts of heaven and came to earth in the first place. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ wasn't a message to man that everything was okay. It was a message clear to man everything is not okay between man and God. Why would Jesus... The perfect, sinless Lamb of God have had to come and die on a cross if everything is okay. But when he did rise from the dead, three days later, Paul says he was appointed the Son of God with power. What Paul's saying is that was God's exclamation point to man and was clear That even in reality, as yucky as it can be, it wasn't like God said, oh, you know what? Man is separated from me, but I'm just going to pretend like everything's okay. No. God dealt with reality in a very clear way. God himself came to earth and became sin for us that we could be made the righteousness of God in him and have a relationship with him. He dealt with reality And then showed us that if we're willing to deal with reality, his power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is the same power that's available to us. A supernatural ability to be able to handle reality or make sense of reality or even find solutions to the reality that we find ourselves in. And Paul said, that's why I'm so anxious to share this gospel for salvation. Because he says, first of all, Even in his day, I see so many people who aren't living in reality. How's things going? Oh, they're fine. When they could be dying inside. How's your relationships? Oh, they're fine. No, they're really not. You're hurting. And you've been deeply hurt. And you just continue to stuff it and pretend like everything's okay, and somehow we've bought into the fact that that things cannot be okay, and we can just pretend like things are okay. And it's somewhere down the line, everything's just—you know—somebody's just, you know, just going to wave a magic wand or something, and then everything's just going to be okay on its own. No. No. And that's why Paul says this message from God to us is so important and why we need to surrender to it and be willing to see things from God's perspective. And when he brings reality in front of us, we don't deny that it's there. We don't live in a fantasy world that we create and pretend like what's really there isn't really there. No, with God, we have the ability, even supernaturally, to deal with the harshest of realities in this life and be able to to truly make sense of it, to learn how to pack it and, and, and to move past it. I've run into so many Christians in my day who are still living with things that happened years ago that they never really have been able to get over, and it's still negatively affecting their life. And part of that is because they've never even allowed the harsh reality of what happened to them or what they did or whatever it was to truly hit them. And what Paul is saying is, here's the good news... That God will give us the ability to face whatever reality is and however harsh it is and we will be able to deal with it and make sense of it because we're going to be able to do it in His power, not in ours. And then we will find true salvation, true healing, true soundness, true wholeness. But we'll never find that If we're not willing to face reality. If we're willing to continue to say everything's okay when everything's not okay. And then Paul says, in this message, here's another reason why this is good news. Because he says, in this message from God to us, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed let me start with the word revealed it's the same word in the Greek language it's used as the title of the last book of the Bible revelation apocalypsis it just means unveiling uncovering that God has uncovered and unveiled his righteousness in his message to us and here's the cool thing this is why this is good news this word righteousness is a relational term. If you study this, it's a term of relationship. In other words, Paul's saying, do, do, you, do you realize here what's happening? Why this is such good news? Because a God who is perfect, and we who are imperfect, if we're willing to admit reality and not grow up with the lie that we're pretty good, we're not depraved like the Bible says. You know, we're, we're pretty good, and if we just continue to try to be pretty good through our lives, everything will be okay. No, Paul says, here's reality. First of all, that this perfect God knows how imperfect we really are, even to a level that we're not even willing to admit Because God even knows our thoughts and the intents of our heart that even maybe no other human being knows, including those closest to us. Only God knows the depths of our sinfulness. And yet Paul says, here's the good news. God wants to have a relationship with you. And the reality is, you and I can never be good enough on our own to somehow bridge that gap between our sinfulness and His perfection. So in this word righteousness, here's what Paul says. God made a way for you and I to have a relationship with Him. And again, here's good news. It means you and I don't have to try to work all of our lives or strive every day To do the impossible, which many religious people throughout history have tried to do. They've tried to be good, moral people on their own and be really religious and hope that somehow at the end of their life, God will look at their life and go, okay, you've you've been good enough. Let's have a relationship. First of all, Paul says that relationship can start before I get to heaven. That relationship can start right now. And it just is us coming to the reality of that God has made a way for me to have a relationship with Him. And here's what the word righteousness means. That He is going to give me His righteousness. That's what's revealed in this message. That's why it's such good news. I don't have to try to be good enough. I don't have to be righteous enough. Because guess what? I'll be frustrated my whole life trying to live up to the standard of God's perfection. So what God did was send his son Jesus to earth. To die in our place. And not just to take away our sin or the penalty of our sin, but in its place to exchange our sin with his righteousness. Paul says, you mean to tell me that's not good news? It's exactly what Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when he says, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us that we might become, what? The righteousness of God in Him. See, the reason any of us who are Christians here today, who've accepted Jesus Christ, know that we have a relationship with God isn't because we're good enough, it isn't because I'm a pastor, it isn't because we're religious enough, or we come to church, you know, faithfully, or read our Bible, or pray, or any of that. That's all what we should do after we become a Christian. The reason we know we are a Christian and that we have God in our life and that we're going to go to heaven one day when we die and we know this is because we know we stand before God, not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness that he supplies. The righteousness that he gives. The righteousness that he grants to us. And Paul said that's what we find in his message to us. That's why this is good news. That's why people need to hear. But here's what Paul's saying. In all of this, he's saying, but if I never am willing to say I need salvation, God, I'm I'm okay. I don't need you. I'm not really as bad as, you know, what the Bible says I am. I'm not really separated from you. You and I are good, right? Until we are willing to face reality that apart from Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him, I have no relationship with God. That's reality. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is one mediator between God and men. That is the man, Christ Jesus. He's the only bridge between us who are sinful human beings and a perfect God. And yet the good news is God made a way for anyone. Because notice he goes on to say to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Basically he's saying, In in God's world, you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. You're not a Jew. But the bottom line is, this is available and open to anyone. But here's the condition. This is why we don't believe the Bible teaches universal salvation. That everybody eventually is going to go to heaven and everything's going to be okay, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? No, that's not reality. The Bible says that this righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. And then if you go back to verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is God's power for this salvation to everyone who what? Believes. See, that's the difference. Because the word believe at its very core just means to take God at his word. If this is what God said reality is, then I believe it. I trust in it. I place my confidence in it. I rest in it. I rely on it. I believe what God said. Not what I think. Not what I feel. Not what other people say. Because if God is not the center of our reality then we're never really living in reality because i hate to say this to people that maybe haven't come to you're living in god's reality this is god's world god created this world so if you're living your life as if god doesn't exist or he's not really a part of your life and somehow you're trying to make sense of life and find solutions to life's problems apart from the greatest reality of the universe it's impossible it's impossible but here's the good news the flip side of that if you and I are willing to believe and take God at his word and live in his reality then that means we can start to make sense of life. We can start to find solutions to problems. We can start to truly be healed and be made whole and made sound and go through a restorative process and become all that God created us to be. The choice is ours. The choice is ours. Every human being. Because even though you and I might deny God's reality? Listen, God said, all of my creation that I created could deny what is real, but that's not going to make it any less real one day. So like for people today who say, well, I just don't believe in that reality that the Bible calls hell. I don't believe in an eternity apart from God. I just don't buy into that reality. That's fine. That's your choice. But that doesn't make hell any less real, folks. Because the millions of human beings who are already there, they'll tell you how real it is if they could get the chance. You can deny it. You can live in a fantasy world and pretend like everything's okay. Or you and I can say, you know what, God? You're right. Because you're God. I'm not. And I'm going to start to live by your reality. And I'm even going to start to face reality in my life. And when we do that, oh my, Paul said, it makes such a difference in our lives. Paul's testifying to it. I'll testify to it. I believe other Christians will testify to it. Because notice what he goes on to say. For the righteousness of God, verse 17, is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. He means from initial receptivity and surrender to God's message to continual receptivity and surrender to God's message. Because again, it's not just a faith or belief or trust that brings us into that initial relationship with God. It's a faith that we have to live by for the rest of our lives. Which is why he ends these two verses by saying that the righteous will live by this kind of faith. Or by faith they will truly live. This word in the Greek language is not the word bios. Where we get our word biology from. A mere physical existence. Our heart beats. We breathe. We're existing. This word is the Greek word zoe. Z-O-E. It is a word that described the highest quality of life. The kind of life Jesus talked about to his followers when he said, If you follow me, and you take me at my word, and you live in my reality, you will have abundant life. Life on a higher plane. Because you know why? Because when we take God at his word, that's when God's power is unleashed in our lives. That's when. That's when the supernatural ability that is built into his word, his message, is unleashed in our lives. And we can be able to handle reality rather than deny reality. And do I have to tell this group of people like I would any group of people in the world in which we live that we are living in a world that continues to go down the path of make-believe and fantasy? And even though we have television shows that are supposedly reality TV... I think we all realize, let's hope, that's not reality. And can I say that's why we have a growing suicide problem and why we have a growing drug problem and why we have a growing alcohol problem and why I can go on and on with all the coping mechanisms that the world continues to become addicted to. Why is that? Because... Instead of facing reality and being able with God's help to deal with it and be healed from it and move past it, they have become prisoners in their own fantasy world. And they're being destroyed because they're not willing to face reality. And we can go around And we can say everything's okay when everything's not okay. Or as Paul said, we can take God at His word. And we then have the power to be able to face whatever reality is and to deal with it and to make sense of it and to be able to move past it and to find wholeness and healing and make progress. Or we can be like the Israelites. Who were saved, but not surrendered. And who just wandered and spun their whole lives. Because the sad thing is... And many who don't have Christ in their life won't admit this. But without the reality of God in their lives, they don't have a clue how to handle reality. That's why... We see a world today that is filled with destructive addictions and where human beings continue to spiral further and further downward because God is continually pushed further and further out from our lives. And then we wonder why I'm struggling. It's only when we invite the greatest reality in the universe to be the front and center of our lives that things will begin to make sense. And we will truly find solutions to the problems of life. And where instead of pretending like everything's okay when everything's not okay, God will give us the tools and the resources to be able to handle any of it and all of it. That's His promise to those who believe and take Him at His word. What's your reality today? Sir? Ma'am? What world are you living in? Are you living in God's reality? Or are you living in your own created reality that really isn't reality at all? And you're hurting. Can I tell you something today? And this is why I'm so passionate about this. Because all it takes is you surrendering to Jesus Christ and you will begin to find in your life a power that you never knew you had, a strength, insight, wisdom, joy, peace. It will all come if you just open up your heart to Jesus. Jesus. And quit saying everything between me and God is okay when you know, you know, you know everything's not okay. And what better day than a day like Resurrection Sunday to drive that stake in the ground and say I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of living in a fantasy world. I'm tired of this hurting world of denial. It's time to face reality. I want to leave you with these words before we wrap things up today. Some of you may have seen this over the years. Let me give you just quickly the background of this. There was a young man in Rwanda several years ago that was martyred for his Christian faith. He was basically told, you deny Jesus Christ or we will kill you. And this young man gave up his life for Jesus Christ and was killed in Rwanda several years ago. When some missionaries went back to this young man's home and started looking through his personal effects and he didn't have much, there were these words scribbled on a pad In his place of residence. And I want to read this to you in closing. This young man said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, learn by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my God is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pull of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go till He returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until He comes. And when He comes to get His own, He will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Let's pray. Oh God, may we be willing to face reality today. And that starts with you and what you have revealed to us. And God, I pray today that for everyone in this room and everyone who will hear this message on podcast, that God, you will so work on us that we will come to a place where we will be willing to give up the fantasy, make-believe, imaginary world that we have created. And continuing to tell ourselves that everything's okay when everything's not okay. And continuing to live in denial of what reality really is. And somehow thinking that healing and soundness and wholeness is going to come to my life even though I am not living in reality. God, the good news, the great news that you give to us as men and women is that we can stand up to the harshest of realities. And when we're willing to do that with you and see things as you see them and take your perspective that what is unleashed in our life is nothing short of the supernatural power of God. To be able to make sense of it, to be able to find solutions, to be able to finally pack it away and move past it and move on. So God help us today. And may those who truly are either concerned about others or who are also wrestling themselves with you, will not leave this place today until they begin to find that peace that you offer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There might be some of you here today that want to just come here do business with God. Maybe you want to come here not for yourself. Maybe you want to come down here on behalf of somebody else. You want to take this time to intercede and pray for and about them. Because you know, whether it's a family member or a friend or whatever, they're not living in reality. And they're hurting. Again, you and I can do business with God right there. But sometimes, again, there's something about driving that stake into the ground. And we did this last week, and I feel compelled by the Lord to do it again this week, to open this up and say, you come, God, it's ready to come. And you join me down here. If God is speaking to your heart, maybe this is just for one person here. But when we're talking about the reality of our lives, I'm talking about things that can be really ugly. Don't buy into the lie of Satan that what you've done or what's been done to you is so bad, so horrific, so painful, so ugly that God can't deal with it or doesn't want to because that's the good news is that there's nothing so horrendous, so horrific, so ugly, so bad that God isn't willing to get involved and bring about healing and salvation I'll give you one example in the last 30 years of my ministry, and I I, I could have hundreds. But there was this young lady back in Virginia when we were first in ministry. She was a member of a satanic cult in Washington, D.C. She, even as a young lady, had done some unbelievable things in her young life. But she had to get to the point where she took God at His word And where she realized that in spite of all the bad, that it was never too bad for God to get involved with. And that no one is beyond God's salvation. No one is unredeemable. No one is beyond healing with God. The only thing God asks is, will we face reality? It's when we're willing to face reality that true salvation can come. So even if you're here today, and maybe you've thought, God would never want my life, He would never want to save me, I've done too many bad things in my life, and I'm beyond help, get that lie out of your head, and take God at His word. This message is to everyone who's just willing to believe. Are you willing to believe and take God at His word today? Just a reminder, you young families, don't forget to get that information about next Sunday or go over and talk to Nathan. Those of you that might want to be baptized next Saturday, please come and talk to me. Today and Tuesday will be the last opportunity you have to talk to me about that. And don't forget, any of you who are here next week, 55 and older, single, married, it doesn't matter. I'd like to meet with you for just a few minutes after the service. Guys, we're just getting started in the book of Romans. I can't wait to share with you what's coming. I hope you'll hang in there with me because it's changing my life and I know it's going to change your life. I don't think any of us are going to be the same after going through this great book. Let's close in prayer. Father God, what can we say to a God Who's willing to come down and deal with whatever reality is? No matter how painful, how harsh, how awful, how horrific, Lord, you're willing to come down and help us and heal us and make us whole. All you ask is that we stop living in denial. We stop living in a world of make-believe and fantasy and imagination, but that we just clearly face the reality of what really is. So God, I pray that that would begin today if it's never been there before. And God, give us such hope hope Lord not only of what you can do and want to do in our lives but a hope that we can carry to others in this world who are so desperately hurting because they're not willing to face reality and they're trying to come up with all the coping mechanisms that they possibly can think of to deal with how painful life is and they don't know what to do and we have the answer the answer is Jesus Jesus Help us to take the answer of Jesus to them. Give us a great day today, Lord, with family and friends. And God, even use this young man that one day we will be reunited with in heaven from Rwanda. And may his commitment to you be an inspiration and motivation for us to stop being so complacent about our walk with you, but to really begin to mean business with you because that's when we will truly experience life. God, bring us back next week that, you might, that we might place ourselves in your presence so that you can continue to do the work you want to do in us and invite people to come with us who also need to hear your message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday, folks. God bless you.